in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. It was harvest time, and there was a lot of work to get done. The grapes were ripe and ready for picking, so at six o'clock in the morning, the master of the house went to the town square to hire some workers, saying that he would pay them a penny for the day's wage. That was a normal wage for laborers and foot soldiers of that time. The master of the house went again at nine o'clock, then again at noon, and at three o'clock. At five in the afternoon, just an hour before quitting time, he hired a few more. And this is what he told them. Go into the vineyard and whatever is right, that is what you will receive for your pay. At six o'clock, the owner told his foreman to call the laborers in so they could get paid, beginning with those hired last. Strangely, they were paid a penny, even though they'd only worked for an hour. Those who had been working since early morning raised their eyebrows at that, thinking they were going to make some serious money. But surprisingly, they were only paid a penny. Wait a minute, one of them cried. How could you pay them the same as us? We sweated it out through the 12 hours of hot wind and scorching heat. Friend, the owner said, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me to work for a penny? Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Is your eye evil because I am good? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. The Lord Jesus told this parable as a way of describing what the kingdom of heaven is like. So what is the takeaway? What was his meaning? A clue is in the word right. When the master hired workers at various times in the day, he told them, go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. He told that to those he hired at nine o'clock and those he hired at five o'clock on the 11th hour. And presumably, he told it to the others he hired at noon and at three. Whatever is right, I will give you. The Greek word for right means just or righteous. Whatever is just, I will give you. That may help us to see that the point of this story is about God's justice. The 11th hour workers deserved a fraction of what they got, maybe a handshake or a bite of supper. Instead, they were paid the same as those who worked all day. So what seems right to us is not always the right thing with God. Why? 
Because the foundation of God's justice is grace. In other words, God always has this goodwill, this loving kindness. It is part of his character. It's a quality of his being. He acted, he has acted graciously towards us with a goodwill that we do not deserve. His grace is free. We cannot earn it. He simply lavishes it upon us because he wants to bring us joy, true joy. Applying all this to the kingdom of God, we should understand that the driving force of God's kingdom is not merit or ability as in the world, but grace. Of this, Bishop Ryle said, there can be no doubt that this doctrine sounds strange to the unexperienced Christian. It confounds the pride of human nature. It leaves the self-righteous no room to boast. It is a leveling, humbling doctrine and gives occasion to many to mur and gives occasion for many to murmur but it's impossible to reject it unless we reject the whole Bible. True faith in Christ, though it may be only a day old, justifies a man before God as completely as the faith of someone who has followed Christ for 50 years. That's a very hard pill to swallow, that someone who has accepted the Lord and served him faithfully for 50 years receives the same status as the thief on the cross who in the last minutes of his life repented and believed in Christ. What about all the winter mornings shoveling the driveway and scraping the windshield in order to get out to church? What about all the sandwiches, baking, and lugging of food for potlucks and funeral receptions? What about the hours and hours of choir practice? What about all the Bible studies? What about all the preparations made for Sunday school lessons and for Christmas pageants? Or what about all the work of staying to count the offering after church? It just doesn't seem fair. Well, that's exactly what the early morning worker said. And the owner's answer was, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a penny? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Is your eye evil because I am good? This comment about the eye, is your eye evil because I am good? It was a figure of speech well known to the Jews. According to one preacher, they had noticed how a mean person screws up or squints their eyes when they're about to refuse a, a favor and how a generous person opens their eyes in welcoming 
the request. The one who judges his neighbor screws up his eyes to shut his neighbor out. On the other hand, where the Jews spoke of a good eye, we might say an open hand. Here's the point. An open eye flows from a generous heart. An evil eye is the sign of a closed heart. Those with an open eye and generous heart do not wait for heaven to have their reward. They live in the joy and hope and peace of the new life of the kingdom of God now. This is the key. Those who are in Christ understand that they are being made new already. Not by their own efforts, but by God's gracious spirit. And so they rejoice rather than frown whenever another lost sheep is found. Before Adolf Hitler came to power, Pastor Martin Niemöller began to oppose him. As the Nazis gained popularity, Niemöller became the leader of the League of Opposition, which mobilized the clergy of Germany. An effort was made in 1934 to retire Niemöller and to remove him from his position of influence, but he would not accept it. Three years later, in 1937, he was arrested, tried secretly, and jailed for refusing to sign a paper that he would not preach. Soon after, he was in solitary confinement and kept there for four years. Eventually, he was moved to the notorious Dachau concentration camp, where he served yet another four years. In the last days there, a little group was permitted to meet monthly for worship. And Pastor Niemöller would preach a sermon. In his sermon for Septuagesima Sunday on January 28, 1945, he addressed the struggle we all have to maintain a good eye. He said, the old Adam in us keeps on making comparisons and lifts himself above his fellow servant, believing himself to be superior to him. We must therefore discipline our old Adam earnestly and thoroughly. Otherwise, the service of God really comes to an end. It's not that we should force ourselves to feel brotherly love. For just as love cannot be earned, so love cannot be forced. But this is the way to fight the old Adam in ourselves, to pray God that he might make his love very great for us, so that it will fill our heart. <clears throat> then our love for our neighbor acquires new strength, and we recognize in our fellow servant a brother with whom we should praise in unison the mercy and goodness of our Father in heaven. There it is, <clears throat> the need to have our hearts opened and filled 
with the love of God. The thing is, if we do not open our hearts to the Lord Jesus, we give room to the devil and opportunity to his demons to sow seeds of bitterness, jealousy, envy, bitterness, resentment, suspicion, gossip, and anger. Truly, we are involved in a spiritual battle. And we don't just wrestle against flesh and blood. That's what it is to be human. We are daily in the in-between, in between heaven and earth. And yet we're not in between because the living God, the Holy Trinity, has come to dwell in us, to help us fight. That raises a final thought on this gospel for today. The owner of the vineyard promised to pay the workers whatever was right. And as we have considered, he generously and graciously paid some of them more than they deserved. That said, they still went to work. In other words, the abundance of God's amazing grace does not cancel our responsibility. The gospel is very clear on this. Take this for example. Knowing that he was just about to be falsely accused, humiliated, whipped, and brutally nailed to the cross, Jesus still told his disciples, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I've loved you. You also are to love one another. There's no doubt about it. We are called to work and to deny ourselves as servants of Christ and the friends of Jesus. Not because our efforts earn us credit with God, but simply as a way of offering him our thanksgiving and love. This is the point of today's epistle. St. Paul speaks to us about discipline, the discipline and self-control of an athlete. Of course, what he's really talking about is our need for a daily regimen of spiritual discipline. In order to have an open heart to God's presence, to his truth and beauty and grace, we must work to stay in tune with him. We must feed upon his word and commune with him in the life of prayer, often through the day. I was touched by what Martin Niemöller said about this. I mean, think of this. Having been almost four years in a concentration camp and nearly eight years in total as a prisoner of the Nazis, he emphasized the importance and urgency of spiritual work, that the little group around him in Dachau still had work to do. Dear friends, he said, we have so many silent hours in our life here. But just because they are silent hours, they need not be empty hours. It is certainly not God's intention for us that we should become poorer in the eternal treasure while in the solitude which he has imposed upon us. Nor that these months and years should pass away 
without any fruit growing therefrom. He wishes to be called upon. The Lord wants us to call upon him. And this is the most rewarding work to which he now calls us. So let us cultivate the field of our heart for him in order that his seed may take root, grow, and mature. And if it is now perhaps the eleventh hour, if before the end only a few weeks remain for us to spend here in silence, yet there is time for us to hear the call and go to do the work Christ has ordained for us. Martin Niemöller was in the Dachau camp with death and sadness and pain all around him for almost four years. We've been in this pandemic for ten and a half months. Some of you have been separated for much of this time from your families. And many of us are getting worn down, wondering and wishing and worrying about things we cannot control. There is one with us, however, who knows exactly what we feel, for he has experienced and endured incredible loneliness and sorrow. He has been there and conquered all of that darkness in order to bring us hope and light and new life. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, has promised never to leave us or forsake us, and he is faithful. So lean on him now. Lean on the crucified and risen Lord. Work with him and allow him to work in you. Look outside of yourself, as difficult as that seems. There is much work to do. It's harvest time. Take the work of prayer. The prayer book lays out morning and evening and midday prayer. There is also a shorter form for morning and evening called family prayer at the back of the prayer book on pages 728 and following. And there are many occasional prayers with a full listing of them on pages 37 and 38 of the prayer book. These are meant to help us. They're meant to give us the words that we may not have because of our weariness. We can use our own words too. The Lord is so ready to hear us. Why not set up a schedule to pray for specific people and situations on a specific day of the week. Then we could follow up by identifying a list of those we should call or those to whom we should send a card. The beauty of this live streaming is that we don't have to pray alone. You can tune in and be present by the fellowship of the Holy Spirit 
and we can be present with you as we pray together. You see, the devil wants us to be discouraged. He's hoping that we'll quit it all and lose hope. But never forget that we've been called by the Lord of the vineyard to take up his work. It is time, sisters and brothers, for us to dig deep and to reach high. In spite of this pandemic, it is harvest time. And we are children of the everlasting King. And never forget that with him, all things are possible. Now unto God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, be ascribed all might, majesty, dominion, power, honor, and glory, as is most justly due, henceforth and forevermore. Amen.